it like the software like it it was as I don't know something weird happened. It was no 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 no. I mean I mean like no. I'm not saying that you're lying. I was like, well, that's that's insane. Are you calling me a liar, sir? <laughs> you're binging on my honor, which is nil. <laughs> honor, I care not. I'm gonna try to be good while I'm doing it. Not good. I, I mean, good in terms of the quality, not my behavior. I am so, oh so tired. But baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If I could no, have done it no, earlier. No, no, your, no, 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 no. <sighs> no, I'm just. Uh, this is what I mean by old age is slowly killing us all. Yeah, yeah. This is a relentless drive to the grave. Luke Carey exhausted at eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> In what world? I tell you, the world of parenting. I'll tell you what man. world? Adulthood world. That's what's going on. Uh, Gregory, Gregory, our our Patreon sponsor, who was also a college uh, professor, he had me come in and do that um, writing class where they talked about podcasts and stuff like that. I'm so bummed I couldn't be there. I'm so bummed. It was awesome. It was awesome. I gave him a full hour and 15 minutes. And at the end, he was like, do you have any final words you want to say to the students? And I was like, don't leave college. Don't ever leave. Go to grad school. <laughs> Go into debt. Guys, Stay. don't ever leave. It's horrible out Cherish here. Cherish it. <laughs> I wanted to do the Billy Madison, like, yeah. or Happy Gilmore. What is it? It's Billy Madison. Yeah. Shake the kid. Yeah, it's like, Cherish it. You got you to cherish His little double chin is yeah, flopping around. It's the best scene. Uh, and like the other um, teacher just kind of quietly um, leads him away, and he's like, "Never let go." Oh, wait, I say, "Don't you ever say that? <laughs> you gotta stay here as long as you can." <laughs> you gotta cherish. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's what I would. Um, man, I'm so bummed that I missed that. Just because I'd be like, "Let's just talk about all of the drinking games that you guys play: games, the gauntlet, bullshit." <laughs> oh, you're all. <laughs> that's all I remember. <laughs> half of you are going to school via Zoom. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> so this is your college experience? Uh. Okay, well, hey, let's all just drink, drink together. And, uh, <laughs> I'm 17. We'll find a way to make this work. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, well. You're in college now. <laughs> oh, that reminds um, hmm. Nope, nope. Just abandon that story. <laughs> that sounded saucy. That that was your filter kicking in, Luke, and I want to applaud yep. you. <laughs> Oh, I'm just oh man, I miss college. Yeah. So, Luke, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? It's coming up. You can see my calendar right here. Thanksgiving. Mm. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Listen, I have ADHD. My perception of time is horrific. Mm. Um, no. Uh, what am I doing? So, Aaron's parents are coming here. Aaron's dad and stepmom. I'm very excited about that. They're great, great people. You think he's going to renovate her- something in your house? Oh God, I can only hope. Mm. I can only hope. Last time we got some shelves. And he fixed and he um, fixed the band. Aaron had like a whole list, and I was like, "Oh, these are things that because like there was stuff that I was going to try to fix." And Aaron just goes, um, <laughs> "She goes, my dad, my dad, I'll, I'll take care of it. It's fine." And I was like, "Okay, alrighty. <laughs> Here's my man card. I'll be on the couch." <laughs> I was like, "I don't know how to do any of this." <laughs> and then and then he showed me how, and I was like, "Okay, that kind of makes." And so now I feel like I know how to put up shelves, but. uh yeah, so that'll be fun. Then we're going to be going down to Aaron's aunt and uncle's house out in Kentucky. They have a they have a cabin there, so we'll be spending some time there. That's and nice. that'll be it. That'll so be yeah. it. How about you? What are you guys doing? We're hosting. We're hosting Thanksgiving at our house. So my parents will come up, my brother. Um, and then my cousin Anthony and his wife and uh, two kids will be coming. 
Um, God bless him. This will be the first holidays without uh, their one son who tragically died. Oh yeah, um, yeah. A few months ago, so uh, he we we wanted to host it so that they could feel like you know the morning of if they if they were not up to coming and being in public without their son, um, they could cancel on us and it wouldn't be mm-hmm. a big deal. You know. Yep. Yep. So um, prayers oh, prayers good. for the Cober family. Um, Absolutely. Good people who it's just it's just it's just painful. So they're still going through a lot. Um, but yeah, it's it, having Thanksgiving at our house is important because, you know, um, when you, you, have you had to negotiate? So you got a chill mom, right? You got a chill mom. You got a helpful, really do. you know, f- in-laws. Do you ever feel siblings. like you have to negotiate around that stuff? Maybe with your sisters or is there any of that stuff like ooh, eggshell time? Not really. Mm. No, like even um my even... whole freaking house is filled with eggshells. Go on. <laughs> go on. <laughs> even Let me live through me you. Emily had a... <laughs> even me and Emily had a really good chat on the night of the uh, night of the election about like this heavy stuff that you're not supposed to talk about the things that you don't agree on. And it was tense, but I don't think it was bad. Like, it wasn't walking on eggshells. It was just like, well, here's what I think. And it can get a little bit, you know, I'm like, I, this is why I think, um, you know, X, Y, Z. And I'm not saying that this happens, every, like, every time or, we're, or we are special because this was our reaction to it. This is just what happened. After my dad died, my family got, like, we were all pretty tight before that, but we yeah. got really tight af- after that. And that has never changed. As an outside observer, I would agree with both statements. And yeah, so that was really – and so there's just kind of this like um, – you know, if my dad had not died, I definitely could have seen myself not being estranged from all of them. But uh, – um, It's easier you know, to it's, drift. It's easier to drift. Yeah, I was just kind of yeah. doing my own thing. You know, so I could have very easily become the one who was just, you know, there. I'm in the Virgin Islands. I'm in Northern California. I'm in Idaho. I'm off. I'm in Denver. I'm bouncing. You yeah. are a mover and a shaker. I'm I'm living at 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 the Gormley's house, which is a thing that almost happened twice. Oh gosh, that would have been the greatest thing ever. It yes. would have been so great. <laughs> Shannon would have hated it so much. Oh, she would have loved it. <laughs> That's Luke. true. Actually, yeah, she'd finally have someone to watch sports with. Yeah, wh- why didn't we do that? Do you remember? I, re- I, I remember being in the in a car, and you saying, "Just come." I was out in, I think I was in California trying yeah. to discern my next step, and you were like, "Just come and live with us." And I was very close to doing that. How I was awesome! Very, that very close. Was oh, I'm good. sorry. In this alternate universe, the podcast started five years earlier, <laughs> and we all retired on the millions of Patreon <laughs> dollars we got. <laughs> Then we'd be getting that sweet, sweet Matt Fred money. <laughs> there would be nothing instead else. of watching him wasted on things like apologetics <laughs> conferences and I know. educating oh, Ugandans, doing good things and having up conversations with people that he doesn't agree with, and giving a uh, and giving like a platform to hash out deep intellectual ideas. Lame. We'd make dick jokes. <laughs> uh. I am joking on seltzer. <laughs> I am joking like on birds. seltzer and <laughs> last resorts. <laughs> and low expectations. <laughs> oh, it burns. It went right into my throat and then into my nasal passages. My eyes are watering oh, because I have na- alcoholic seltzer to go. <laughs> have natural and there are a lot of horrible places where it goes. Oh, but one great place where it goes, and that's in my belly. And then to my brain. 
and then everything gets fuzzy, and then I hop on Twitter. <laughs> and then um, something, something, I'm a bad father, whatever, just because I'm not there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, kids. Tomorrow night, you're going to bed at 5. Oh, I'm starting to drink at 501. Yeah! Gone, <laughs> <laughs> <God>, boy. <laughs> Is there something interfering with your happiness or is it preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, I started going to therapy probably about maybe four months ago, maybe three months ago. And I just kind of realized that healing is something that the Lord wants us to receive. But healing is always an invitation from God. Quite often he asks people to, to you know, take a step out. We have to take action. And a great way to do that is through a group called BetterHelp. BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and I'm going to send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and I'm a thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule a weekly video or phone obsession so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Those are weird as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change counselors if you feel like you need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is indeed available. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, wants you to start living a happier life today. You can go to betterhelp.com slash reviews and read some of the testimonials that are posted daily. So this is what we're going to do. We have a special offer for podcast listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash foxes. You go to slash foxes and you will get 10% off your first month. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional counselor. BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. I got it's, one yeah, quick know, weird uh, thing. Let me let me just say one quick weird thing that no, I found no, out dude, tonight. Yeah. So I found out today that my dog hates the rapper Common. You know, the actor, rapper. Wait, Common. what? Common. You know him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Okay, I have a theory about Common. Can you oh. name one song of his? No! No! And neither can I! When but, did... How, like, what... what <laughs> sorry, sorry. Anyway. No, I have thought that exact thought. I'm like, everyone always says hip-hop artist and actor Common. I only know him from playing, like, side characters in a thousand movies. What? What is he in? <laughs> like, what like, song like, does he like, do? Yeah, when did he rap? <laughs> Like, we genuinely, I mean, I'm not saying we're like, you know, hip-hop heads or people who know yeah. a lot about hip-hop in the slightest, but we vaguely pay attention. Yeah. And I saw him starting to pop up in movies and in, you know, whatever, and it was like, and rapper common. And I'm like, wait, but I don't know any of this. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. He's, okay, so turns out, dog not like a turns out he's not all that common. So my dog, uh, my dog does not respond to television. You know how some dogs will, like, stare at the TV? Ours is over mm-hmm. our fireplace, so it's not, like, low. I think yours is a little bit lower. It's on an entertainment center. But ours is, like, high up. So if our little dog is going to pay attention, he's got to look up. Never does. And so we watch, like, funny fail videos on YouTube, and my kids will be, oh, put on pet fails. So we'll watch, like, animals bark. Dogs will bark. My dog will just sleep. He won't wake up. He won't react. My wife today, uh, the kids were making noise upstairs. She's watching uh, one of her many period piece shows. She pushes pause, not paying attention. She goes upstairs, and she hears our dog going, rrr, 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 
and you know, like escalating the growls. She comes Ooh, downstairs, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and Common is frozen on the picture where she paused it, and he's just at a table looking into the camera with his like hands raised, like like come on, and that's it. And it's a period piece, so it's like uh, I think she's watching Hell on Wheels, which is about like the train railroad being built. And it's so funny. And then, then so Shannon pushes play, and it shows. In the, so the show resumes, and Common is talking, and Buddy just starts barking his head off. And I'm like, you literally, you don't even notice the TV when dogs are like going nuts and cats are going nuts, but you watched Common <laughs> and lost your damn mind. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so random. Imagine if he's sitting there just be like, what rap songs have you actually done? What rap? Were <laughs> you a rapper? I don't believe you. <laughs> You're so platinum. Funny. Yeah. It's just weird. It's just weird. Dogs are weird like that. Dogs, dogs have dogs. Some, some really weird, like, uh, my dog, for some reason, continues to growl at Christina, even though she comes here every day to watch Everly. <laughs> and it's like. You've seen Christina a thousand times. This is my sister. And now she's here every, almost every day, five days a week. And yet you're still growling every time that she walks in. You don't growl on other people that you, you know, that you get to know and are comfortable with. I don't get it. I don't get it, man. Dogs have souls and they're all going to hell. Oh, do not. Did you dare say that? Watch your, you watch it. I, one of my favorite things was there's a Catholic church next to a Presbyterian church, and the Catholic church put up a sign that said, all dogs go to heaven, and it was an advertising for watching that movie. And then the Presbyterian church decided to launch a uh, minor reformation campaign, and they wrote, uh, dogs don't have souls, they don't go to heaven. And then the Catholic church wrote, Catholic dogs go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was like Presbyterian dogs go to purgatory or something like that. And then it was like Presbyterian purgatory is not a biblical doctrine. <laughs> they just kept going back and forth. One of the best things I've ever seen. Oh, man. <laughs> what a horrible life you must lead. <laughs> I know. I know. That's it. I peaked. <laughs> I peaked at an internet meme war held out on bulletin boards on a church. The church's version of an internet meme war is signs <laughs> on the side of the road. This is peak Gomer right here. Really enjoying it. (laughs) I can't mash this like button any harder. I'm going to remember this fact. And one day I'm going to bring this up on a podcast. And it will make me millions. (laughs) Just getting that Matt Frad money. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Poor Matt Frad. He said nothing. He's throwing him under the bus. All he did was just say good things about our our podcast. And we never got back to it. On the text message, just throwing him under the bus. Well, you know what? Someone has to humble that man. He's handsome. He, <laughs> he's got, he, everything he touches turns to gold, and rightfully he's so. Got, he's got new glasses, and they look good. Those so those good. round glasses. We can never pull that off because our faces are too round. <laughs> <laughs> Natty Light, I'm drinking. <laughs> You're supposed to take away the calories, right? <laughs> right? That's what light means. I'm 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 giving some talk at uh, Catholic Creatives. On um on Saturday at uh, their online conference, and then by the way, I just want to add, very well done. Hello to oh uh, Alana, I think is her name. She's her and her husband are big um supporters of the show. They are they are uh, on Patreon. I talked to them over the summer. Great, great folks. Even though I can't remember her name, and I feel so terrible uh, about this right now. But anyways, so this is a very I'm so impressed with how like well organized this online conference is. 
and they even said they're gonna have they're gonna have a podcast hangout room where you can like Skype chat with people in 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 the podcast hangout room. And I just go, oh, I'm sure that there's gonna be a ton of good looking people in in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of setup for an, for an average joke. I yeah. apologize. It's all yeah, good. That's a classic Luke move right there. <laughs> all right, uh, should we get down to the nitty to the nitty gritty? Yes. As long we didn't talk about this beforehand, I still have my funny books that I've been reading. I read so many <laughs> high school textbooks or high school books. No, they're not okay. They're not high school textbooks. They're books that high schools have deemed are important to read, and you can read them at that age. But they're good at any age. I really, I really like The Great Gatsby. Um, it no, really it's a great did, book. It, I really did hate. I hate it. So it's like eight chapters long. I think somewhere around there. And I hated chapter one. It took me until probably chapter three to really get into it. And then by the time I got to the second to last and the last chapter, I was thoroughly in love with that book. So what's really good about The Great Gatsby, in my opinion, is I think it is the um, great American novel for two reasons. One, um, it's just good. I think it's a, it's a very interesting story. And then two, it's very American in both, in both, um, so like the whole the whole approach is like the reinvention of self, right? And the promise of like you can be anyone in America, yeah. And it ultimately also almost shows like where that ends up. And so it's like it's and it's it's real funny because like what everyone pays attention to is like the excitement of um, the excitement of. Gatsby and what he does to try to earn um, Daisy's affection and how he yeah. reinvents himself and how he becomes the self-made man. And it's also just like so American that we never talk about where it actually ends. It ends just in like pain and misery and death. Yeah, it's funny. It's the most – so for those of you who don't know, like this guy comes in. He has a small house near where like new money, old money kind of is. Everyone in the movie or in the, in the book basically is moneyed in one way, shape, or form. And Gatsby is the richest of them all. Mansion. He throws these parties. People that he doesn't even know show up. Live bands, music, champagne, till four o'clock in the morning. Like the full rager for rich, roaring twenty kind of thing. Yeah, that is this. That is what the jazz age was all about. Yeah, and then on the other side of the of the what was it? East egg, west egg. Um, the other side of the lake inlet, whatever it is, there is a house with a green light, a green lantern out on the dock, and that is Daisy's house. And he is in love with Daisy, and Daisy's married. Her husband. They had, they had um, dated or something when they yeah. were younger. I don't remember what exactly happened. I think um, Gatsby goes to like war or something. Yeah, he go, yeah. And so essentially, they never they never cemented anything. And then she ends up getting married, and the man that she marries is having an affair with another man's wife, and it is it's super. And he like the guy that Daisy is married to. He just flings around the fact that he's married to an or that he's having an affair, and her, this woman that he's sleeping with. Her sister's involved in like like they all no one cares. They go to New York, they spend money, so much money, and it's like gratuitous. But you can tell the the whole theme underlining it all is how empty and void it is. But it's exciting. Yep. It's exciting yep. in the void because there's stuff that's happening. And the line that I had in the back of my head the whole time was T. S. Eliot, uh, we are distracted from distraction by distraction. And it's like we just go from thing to thing to thing to thing. It's like the closest thing the world can give us to eternity is constantly shifting things. Oh, that's such a good point. Right. Like, so it's like, oh, you want an eternal constant that's always joyous? Well, I can't give you that. But I can give you empty meaningless. I'll call it a fad and switch out the fads every six months. 
Like, how about that? Why don't you? <laughs> yeah. You know, and that was the, like, so they're always buying stuff as a way to medicate. Like, there's like, oh, I feel bad. Let's go to the shops and get some hats, you know, and stuff like that. And it's that whole roaring 20s jazz age mentality. But at the at the heart of it all is this this enigmatic figure Gatsby and people are like oh he's a murderer he came by his fortune no he did this he did that he inherited it no he's new new money old money all this stuff and all these rumors fly around it turns out he was um, more or less a bootlegger involved in very shady criminal dealings but this was his like all the all the old money and the new money wanted to party with Gatsby and the whole time all he was trying to do was impress Daisy on the other side of the water the girl with the green light honor doc and uh he f- they finally get so close to it but then it all falls apart uh, uh, to me the last chapter is or the la- i guess last two chapters it's such a master stroke like no one comes to his funeral you know his dad shows up uh mr gats gates gats um his dad shows up but no one comes and uh and, and the guy that make the character that kind of drives it is trying his best to get all of his old associates to show up and people are like i can't i can't i can't be seen i gotta cut ties i can't do that and it's amazing like you know one way of showing how you're lo- or seeing how you are loved is the people that come to your funeral you know like that love you that love the people that loved you that supported you and you know his dad is there and that's it and it's kind of funny that he changed his name to gatsby from gats or whatever it was um that the one person that they're the two people that loved him. One was the one that knew the new guy and the other one that knew the original kid, you know, his dad and this new friend, uh, what's his name? Nick. Is that his name? Yeah, Nick. Yeah. yeah. Cause he's the cousin of Daisy. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it was fascinating how, I, but I really didn't get it because the, the whole thing felt like, and I think I said this before, it felt like exposition in a movie. It was this constant, like the narrator I felt like was telling you, too much if it felt like he was filling in the gaps you know like when you watch a movie and you know it's a bad movie Mm because there's so much over narration and exposition that's what the beginning felt like to me Uh, did you feel that way at all um it uh it has been a okay the last time i reread it i think it was probably about a decade ago so (laughs) i thought it was sooner than that that's no actually i think i may i think i no, i think i have reread it since aaron i got married or at least i started it uh, so I've, I probably have um, read it in full about three times, um, once in high school, um, definitely once in college, and then absolutely once post-college, and then so, – so maybe about three and a half times. It's funny how – like it, it, it was not until I was an older adult that I really started to see, oh, this is where like – because I, I always – I didn't have a hard time in the beginning. It was the – it was kind of any time that it was going bad that it never made sense. That's and I'd be like, wait, what? Like, because it's kind of funny when, like, when they go through, like, when they do really, they do really deplorable stuff. It's always seems somewhat confusing. And as a high school kid, I think you're attracted to like all of the glitz and um, all the glamour, but you know there's bad stuff underneath it, but you can't quite fully um, comprehend all of it. It's very jazzy. Yeah, in a lot like both in it, I feel like it's tone and how it so goes all over the place. So avant garde. No, not avant garde <laughs> jazz. This is like real jazz. Yeah. Um, back before they knew that the cocaine was bad for you, <laughs> um, they were like, "Everyone, this is great. We can focus really hard." Um, <laughs> um, when cocaine was Ritalin, 
Yeah, so it, and, and this is uh, turning into an ad hoc commentary on on the Great Gatsby, but I'm fine. This is this is this is catching foxes. Um, it it's it's because it, 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 you know it is what it represents. You know, it, it it is an experience of the false promises of of the American dream, while also being a great experience of it, while also being kind of scattered and a little bit confusing and something. You're like, wait, what just happened there? Was that good or bad? And for the most part, the answer is that it seems good on the surface, but then it's really bad underneath. Yeah. Or you actually have the inverse, which I think is probably what happens at at the end there. It seems sad, but also at the same time, it's like, well, Gatsby did have people who really cared about him, though. Yeah. But who who were those people? It was Nick. Nick cared about him deeply for reasons that not even Nick can explain. Right, like, uh, well, I, it, I think because Nick is because I think with Nick, so what? Um, he's a writer, right? Yeah, or something. Yeah. I think Nick is drawn to humanity. There's something about um Nick where he, when he's at when he's at the party, he's not necessarily um looking for the party. And again, I have not read this in a while, so, but I I think he's you know happy to, he's happy that he was invited, happy happy to be there. But he's not looking to party, though. But he's not really opposed to it either. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a couple ones where he gets blackout drunk. I don't know, a couple. Yeah, well, at least yeah, no, no, I mean, it, it, but, it yeah. definitely does happen. And he's observing the people. Do you ever go, Luke, okay, so you are a person who lived your 20s and 30s with Gusto. Uh, let me ask you, when you, I'm a people watcher. So if I were at a party and you weren't sitting at my table, and I, I was at that space where it's like maybe I had one beer and I'm kind of in a chill mood. I people watch like crazy. Do you people watch? Um, when I'm at airports, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, I assign a narrative. I like. To oh, I do that too. Like, I do yeah. that too. I'm like, you have a cool job, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Look at your haircut. Are those skinny jeans? God bless you, sir. You didn't go to a college that thought that that thought the youth ministry was a really good career option, did you? Hey, you shut up. Anyone listening to me right now, send me your resumes. I am hiring middle school and high school <laughs> youth ministers. You want to work with Gomer? Get your emails into me now. <laughs> Crap, Gomer at LaeVangelist.com. I'm telling you, we pay better than every other parish that you know. It's true. Listen, I'll come and do it if you pay me $80,000. I will not um, pay you $80,000 unless you'll do both jobs. Hmm. Then I will pay you $80,000. I do hate junior high kids. But, <laughs> no, so I'm, I'm just kidding. Almost as much as high school students. I have a love-hate thing with with junior high kids. Um, okay, so what's my point? We're talking about, uh, talking about oh, Gatsby, right? I think so. <laughs> no, we're talking about people like so. This is what I was saying. Oh yeah, yeah Nick, yeah, yeah. the character Nick, when he's at the party, a lot of it is his commentary on other people that he's observing, especially people that enter into the orbit of Gatsby and fade away. Or the very first party that he goes to, he's trying to figure out who Gatsby is, you know. And so he's looking at all this stuff. I'm a people watcher to an extent, but you are. If if me and you weren't friends, or if we are friends and you find my company annoying. And you leave and you go hang out with other people. I would. You're the type of person I would people watch because you're like, like you're the center of a circle of people. You're loud. You're obnoxious. You're hilarious. You're all the things AMDG. I am the party. You are the party. You are the party. Um, but you're the person that I would people watch. I can't imagine you at a party people watching. I think you'd be too busy having fun. 
I see that's not true. I am doing it in my head. But then I'm also engaging at the same time. Now, is the people watching, you're watching not just hot girls you want to chit-chat with pre-marriage? <laughs> um, no, no. It's, it's the whole, it's a whole, uh, it's a whole kit and caboodle. Because say, here's a fun fact about Luke. Um, I did not realize this, so I started to date Aaron. Um, if I don't know a lot of people there, I do not like being the, loud per- the loudest person in, um, yeah. in, in the room. I do not like to impose. I do not like to be in... Um, in the way, but if I'm with a group of people that I know, I'm a little bit more comfortable. So, and this really came out when I went to a, a party at Aaron's, um, it was a party. It was just like a birthday party or something, uh, at a person's apartment f- with all of her grad school friends. I was just being a little bit quiet at first. And Aaron's like, why are you being so weird? Like, why? And she actually thought I was kind of, um, being a jerk. I was like, no, I just, I don't know anyone here. So I'm, I don't want to, you yes. know, I'm just kind of there. And so, but the more I'm comfortable, like I got with her friends, the more I'm comfortable, the, the more I just kind of become like, you know, the, the Luke that you know. And it's not that I'm <laughs> trying to be fake. It's more that I, I feel a little bit anxious about it. So I, I, and I don't want to um, self-impose or anything like that. So um, it's a bit of a mix. Like, do you remember in college, you don't remember this because you weren't there. Um, there was a period of time when I would always be the first one over. The first one over. That doesn't that doesn't make any any sense at all. Who like anyone who was in town orientation team and anyone who was coming into school who seemed like they were cool. I would have I would um, uh, have them over, and that's when I would really be like I love playing host. So that's one reason why I'm also trying to see if everyone's having a good time because I would want to go around and talk to everyone there. I yeah. love, 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 love like hosting a party. Yeah. That's that's what I am watching because I want to make sure that that everyone's having a good time. Yeah, I I, I people watch when, especially like you nailed it. Like when I feel alone, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna be chilling over here in the corner, but I'm inventing narratives for all y'all. All y'all <laughs> I'm coming up with stories and none of them are flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and there are times, too, when you're just kind of tired. Like, do you remember? But, like, I think you and I are the same in the sense that, like, you're definitely more willing to go to bed earlier because throughout the latter half of your 20s and and all of your 30s, you had to wake up early. So you you are very okay with a quiet uh, – with, a, like, quiet uh, – the quiet resignation of, hey, I got to go to bed. I've got stuff to do. Um, there are people who depend on me, you know, in order to live. Um, uh, and so, uh, but like, okay, do you remember that party that we were at for, it was, um, with like Vegabond Missions, um, had, um, um, had Seek, they threw a, um, a senior kager. Yeah. For, and which was a, such a great idea. So much fun. Um, until, until my former middle school teens from St. John Newman in Austin showed up, and I was like, <laughs> I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here so fast. I got to, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But I know this is what I remember. Like, this is what I remember you doing. So I was in, like, prime Luke mode. I was, yeah. like, um, double fisting beers. I was walking around. I was talking to everyone there. Like, we um, um, had Sarah Rogers was there, and she was, like, holding core with any boy that would remotely pay attention to her. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? I do. She, had, she always had, like, five guys around her. <laughs> she always did. And for <laughs> those of you who don't know who Sarah Rogers is, there's an episode that Luke recorded with three different people. Well, actually, technically four. But Sarah Rogers. 
Rogers was one of those four episodes where I couldn't be a part of. And uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So there's, I wish you'd make that a picture of her, the cover episode for this one. <laughs> She'd be so mad. Yeah. But uh, uh, that party. And then, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And like, I was just like in full blown, like, woohoo, college. I forgot all about this. <laughs> um, never worked for an archdiocese, anyone, never, ever. And then you were like tired, about to leave. But then a couple people like wanted to hear you talk about stuff and you just sat in this chair and they all sat around you and it's like they were like like just wanting to hear from wise old wise old gomer yeah so that was funny so i was i was so tired at that point i was just done for the day and i sat on that chair so people think of this you were about to leave yeah we're in a hotel room and the hotel room is like the penthouse hotel room yeah it was awesome so you walk in and it's like a normal hotel room and then you look up and you realize oh this is a super high ceiling oh wait there's a staircase oh this is the top floor and the floor underneath it as one huge you know like you know multiple rooms with a staircase that goes in between so it was really cool that there's this like winding staircase right in the middle that kind of split the spaces and I went into the far, like, it came in a far right. Uh, there was the chair at the end of the whole, like, freaking building right up next to the window. And I was like, I'm done. Single chair. No weirdo's going to sit next to me. I sit down. Oh, no. I held court. People sat at my feet. A semicircle sat at my feet. And it was so funny because the this guy's like, wait, you do catching foxes? I go, yeah, that's Luke over there. And you were literally slamming a beer. And he was like... <laughs> And the guy, the guy was funny though. He was like, "All right, righteous." So <laughs> I was. <laughs> yeah. and the kid just goes, "All right, so I got a question for you, man. Like uh, this whole thing with Cardinal Vigano or Archbishop Vigano." And I'm like, uh, "Yes." And then it became a huge <laughs> thing. And then I was catechizing. I was, I was quoting the catech. I blessed like six kids. I there was one girl who was pregnant. I, I uh, in the womb baptism. It was awesome. <laughs> I remember I, t- I uh, took a picture of you holding court, and I sent it to John going, someone's in his element right now. <laughs> Come, my children, gather round my feet. Also, you will smell the odor from my feet. Sorry about that. I'm not our Lord. <laughs> For some reason, we decided to get an Airbnb, even though it was clearly way more easier if you just stayed at the hotels. Yeah, but I, I'll tell you what, Luke, you using that Airbnb was awesome because this is one thing I've learned about being a Steubenville Youth Conference speaker is when – because they put you in the hotel where all the kids are, right, where the conference is happening, right? So you can just walk over. You can sneak back to your room and poop in the middle of the day. It's so nice. But this is what I discovered, and I've, I've literally done this. If they know where you sleep, you don't sleep. Ben Walther and I were doing a conference together. And uh, I can't remember where we were, but we were staying in the hotel, and the hotel was a conference center. So in the, you know, in the ballrooms, they have it. So it, it could hold all of the kids that were coming for the conference. And I remember getting in the elevator, and half the kids had the Zoomville t-shirt, or all the kids in there had a Zoomville t-shirt on. And so we were talking, they're like, oh, I love to talk, blah, 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 blah. And they all knew Ben. I hadn't given my first talk yet. And so we get off the elevator, and they followed Ben to see where he was staying, what room. And I looked back, and I said to Ben, don't go to your room. Go to the stairwell at the end of the hallway and then go to your room. And he's like, no, it'll be fine. Well, all – and that's what I did. I went to the stairwell. I was like, all right, I'm going to ha- I'm gonna walk up the stairs to my room, even though it was on the same floor. It was like eight, eight, eight doors down. And I went to the stairwell and left. And when I came back, 
Uh, I snuck into my room. No one was in the hallway. I literally creeped into my own room. And then Ben said, uh, he had dark circles under his eyes. He was miserable. And I said, what happened, Ben? And he goes, oh, man, the kids found out where my room was, and they were pranking me all night long. And I'm telling you, it happens all the time. So if I get off on my floor and high school students are there, I'll be like, hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, is this the fifth floor? And they're like, no, it's the fourth floor. Oh, I'm such an idiot. And I'll go up to the fifth floor and then take the stairs to the fourth floor and sneak into my room. And never, never let them see you bleed or where you sleep. Hmm. That's, yeah. High school kids do love pranks. That's a really good point. Oh, gosh. So many pranks. You know what they did to him? They filled a trash can with water and leaned it against his door. So in the morning, he or they knocked on his door at 3 o'clock in the morning, and then he opened the door to yell at them, and all this water poured on his carpet. It's so funny. I love high school students. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben's like the sweetest guy, too. He is. He is. He is. Couldn't have happened to a better person. But for Seek, me and you were, what, four-minute drive from the place, but yeah, it's we, worth we it, just man. Got, we just uh, well, I mean, we didn't get it. We won't say who paid for it. <laughs> <You>. <laughs> Luke, I still have the email where you suggested the price I should pay that I didn't do. I never remember that. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, if you want to split it, like you're just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know. In my head, I was like, if Luke really wants me to pay for this, he'll send me a second email. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I think about everything in life. I'm like, eh, if they really want me to pay my mortgage, they'll call me. <laughs> <laughs> Yet somehow you still have you still have a lot of equity. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Fire! Fire! <laughs> Luke, I'm not going to lie. Today, when I taught my adult confirmation class, guy walks in early. I say, how you doing? He's like, oh, it's rough. I was like, what's going on? Oil and gas industry. Got a lot of stuff that last minute, end of the year, companies with money making demands. It's crazy. It's it's killing me. Um, last minute deadlines. Flying parts in from Korea overnight. Like, it's horrible. It's rough. And he goes, but it led me to a question that me and my wife started praying about. When is enough enough in terms of money? And how do I know how much to give? How much is indulgent? How much is good oh, just man. to have? And so it, it started Did off. Did your spidey senses just like, just like uh, start to tingle when he was saying all that? A hundred percent. And then I said, I, I said, all your questions are really great. A lot of it involves prudence, not just justice, because like you need to become financially like you, you got to break your cycle with debt and all that stuff. You got to live below your means. You got to save. You got to invest. You got to do all that stuff. And I said, so that you can be free to give, give, give when people meet you. Because I guarantee you, the moment you have breathing room is when you can actually help people and you'll find more people to help. I was like, so let me introduce you to the gospel, the fire movement. <laughs> and I started talking. He goes, oh, the fire. I'm, okay, I got it. I've heard it. I've heard it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Because I was going to go into a 20-minute thing. It was, it was going to be class. Will you still listen to me, though? <laughs> Come sit at my feet like a college student at a seat conference. I'll bring the beers. I'll bring the beers. Uh, <laughs> it really was funny. It really was emblematic of how me and you are different. <laughs> yeah. I think the same. I mean, you, like, we are and we're, we are and we're not. Right. Like, we're both just doing... Uh, the same thing, just trying to find it, like, just trying to, like, you know, be like, hey, everyone, but in our own ways. <laughs> I love the way you phrase it. It's not a desperate plea for attention. It's just the pure, it's, 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 hey, everyone. It's like when I do talks and stuff, and 
<laughs> like, it doesn't matter where I am. Doing something for an archdiocese. Doing a training event for a, a missionary group. Blah, blah, blah. I walk out. I go, what's up, nerds? And I just start off with that. <laughs> and the whole room changes. And it's literally what you just said. Hey, everyone. Or the joke. You, do you remember what you, you and John used to make fun of me? And you still do. Uh, like, <laughs> what I say when I walk into a room. Hey, kids, oh, Gilbert. Yeah. I was about to go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. I still do that. <laughs> I love I still oh, love the sup nerds. Thing. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Stole it from Mer- Merlin, Merlin Man. I almost said Marilyn Manson. Stole it from Merlin Man. We'll never look back. Love it. So many things we've stolen from him. So many things. So, uh, not to make a hard right turn, because I could talk about us uh, partying all day long, <laughs> which apparently, <laughs> wait, can we just be self-indulgent here really, really quick? That's what the show's about. Do you know what message I'm going to be, talk- be talking about? No. This is such a great message. I re- So, this is a- we got this from uh, one of our patrons. Is it Juan? I re no. no, no, no. I re-listened to a show that started with um, the thirty oh, minutes yeah. of talk about drunkenness and and Luke puking at weddings, and asked myself, why did I even stay with this? Why didn't I just pull the car over and go back to the smart guy with a cool Australian accent? He's <laughs> <laughs> so smart. So and then he was like, but it was the Holy Spirit. Blah 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 blah. And I was like, I don't think we were. I don't think we were. We were really praising that kind of behavior at weddings. We were just saying that it's a thing that does happen at times. <laughs> in our lives, often when we were in our early 20s and all of our college friends were getting married. I was like, early 20s? <laughs> 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 I mean, keep in mind, Kissinger got married, what, what gosh, okay, wait, I was the last one, really. So I was, I was what? I was 32? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was the last one. It was pretty yeah. much our entire 20s. Yeah, man. Now all my youth ministry kids are getting married. The the woman yeah, that I works know, that's with, me, to with me. Yeah, the woman that works with me, Mary Beatty, she just celebrated her first year anniversary. I brought him into the church. He's my age. Oh, he's a little younger than me, but basically. I brought him into the church, and she met him through him coming into the church. And uh, because she was my assistant at the time, now she's she's a coordinator, and uh, it's so funny to see like all these babies having babies. These babies are having babies. Babies having babies. Yeah, I went to my uh, first um, wedding from a, a person that I was there on a youth. I mean, not in their youth, a minister at the, at their parish, but I they were involved in the they were involved in high school in ministry that I ran here in the archdiocese of Cincinnati. That's so. so think about how new that feels. Yeah. I had an event with the young adults, and I took about, you know, maybe 15 young adults to it. And I said, we'll have a table. Come as you go. You know, like, I, it's not like a hard and fast thing. If you want to come to it, come to it. If you don't, don't. So I'm standing there, and these, <laughs> gosh, these sweet girls come in. And they had alcohol at this event. They had beer, and I had a, a beer in my hand, uh, you know, small little plastic cups. And these group of girls walk in, and they all had small cups. And this girl looks at me, and she goes, it's you. And then she starts giggling. And I go, what? What? I'm sorry. What? And then I look, and there's something about her that's familiar, and I can't figure out what it is. 
And she goes, we drove all the way up from St. Lawrence in Sugarland. You were our middle school youth minister. What are you doing at this young adult event? And I go, <laughs> I am 35. Accord- this was, so this was three years ago. I was like, according to the archdiocese, I am a young adult. How old are you? And she goes, we just turned 21. And I was like, holy crap. You were 13? No. And they were like, no, we were going into high school when you took over. So you did a bunch of high school events. But it's really weird seeing you here. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> hey, you want a party? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be real honest. It's not for me. You want a party? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be real honest with you. Here's my keys. You're driving me home. <laughs> I'm going to be real honest. I've been doing this since 2003. So think back at how long that is. <laughs> I'm going to be real honest. I have been coming to the exact same party for 15 years, and in no way is that depressing. I'm going to be real honest. This all began at a bar in Wheeling. Yeah, have you ever heard of that? Wheeling, West Virginia. And this weird blonde girl was staring at Luke, who at the time had a Dave Matthews knit hat on. So think about <laughs> how long I've been doing this. A Dave Matthews knit hat. <laughs> that was when Dave Matthews was cool. He's not anymore. Uh, no. It was about two years after that yeah, that, that yeah. ended. They really okay. did, like, when they, when, they, when they went electric, killed everything, man. Why would they do that? You're not allowed to invent yourself as an artist. You must be the person that I want you to be as a fan. <laughs> it's just, it's so, I mean, it sucks, though, because they, they had released one of, like, what I think is their best album. And then it was just like, pfft. Hey, where's up here in the morning? In the morning. Boss is dead by two feet and he's rolling. Luke, when was the Never. last time you went to the movies? A theater. Uh, before, uh, um. February? Uh, okay, I saw The Irishman in a movie theater. I think that was the last one. Like, that was a Netflix movie, right? It was but they, weird. But they yeah, have yeah. to show it in a handful of select theaters to qualify yes. for the yeah. Academy Awards. Okay. Yep, and like, this is... I'm one of those theaters that all of those all of those movies pass um, <laughs> pass on through. So I was how like, random is it, that? It, it was it was crazy too because it was like it was the first time. And honestly, I'm gonna say like maybe ten years. That might be a bit of a stretch. Um, like at least over like five years that I had sat in a movie theater that wasn't a reclining seat. Gross. And I was like, Ugh, what? Ugh. And then, like, everyone, like, sat by. It was so packed, filled with boomers, just filled with boomers. And um, I was like, why are you guys getting so close to me? Get away. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, well, this is not how movie theaters work anymore. <laughs> There's a clear space between me and everyone else. Um, it was awesome, though. Sorry. So, yeah, it's been whenever that happened. Yeah, me too. I haven't been since, since uh, March. I haven't been, and it's funny because the movie theaters in our area opened, and the only movie, the movie I've been longing to see was supposedly the movie that all of the movie theaters hung their hopes on because it was mm-hmm. so big and actiony and Christopher Nolan-y that they thought it alone would revive movie ticket sales, which was which Tenet. I don't know why you, which is such a dumb idea. What? Like it's a Christopher Nolan film. Like his stuff, especially post um, the, the Dark Knight, is weird, yeah. and it's good. Like I think Dunkirk is one of the best films to come out in the past. Was so that was a good movie. Twenty years, but I mean everything else has kind of been swing and a miss. But I like what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. So totally. if, you, if you think about how many movies he has released since 2008, I include the 
Dark Knight Rises in, in that, there was no, that was not a surefire um, thing. And he, I, he's just, he's not the one that you bank. I don't know. It's just, it's like, you're going to make money off of his stuff, but you're not going to make a ton of money unless it's something like the, like a, um, a big franchise movie. Should he do the next DC movie? No. No. Should I? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Listen, I think you and I could make a really great movie. It would never get done, but I really think it would have some, it would have a lot of potential. What, me and you, if we made a superhero movie and we were the, uh, the guys that did the, 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 the last Marvel movies. What are their names? The brothers, Russo brothers. Me and you Russo are brothers, the yeah. are the Fox's brothers. What movie are we making? What superhero Ooh. movie? Me and Ooh, you. Good question. Me good and you. Question. We're 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 a large part of the time. The female actresses complain that we are shirtless, but that's our creative. <laughs> it's, it's not like, a harassing it's like thing. My process. Yeah, it's just a process thing. It's just a process. I just, I just, I'm gonna walk around with like a huge white, white handkerchief, going loaded, loaded, loaded. It's hot. Does the jury understand? <laughs> Does the jury? I need a mint julep, my lord, my lord. In the month of July. July. Your mama had an mm, apple pie out <laughs> on the windowsill. Does the jury? I'm like, well, sir, what? <laughs> this is a movie set, not some weird quantum leap episode you're playing in your head r- right now. That's that's a true thing. I okay, know. Uh, I, I know. I love that show. Um, it's beautiful. Man, yeah, yeah. What, what superhero, superhero movie? Like, like, what do you think we can make like and do a comparable job? <sighs> well, nothing because I have no skills whatsoever. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but, but, like in in La La Land, right? In in this mm-hmm. figurative world, they throw so, us all the money, and somehow we like know what to do when it comes to all the nitty gritty yes, de- yes. director stuff that we have no idea. We're the Russo brothers after Endgame, so we can blank check, right? We're on blank check territory. Okay. Has Endgame happened? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Okay. We're in the okay. real world, but different universe. So Is this Marvel or DC? So that's what I'm going to say. You know my heart, brother. I'm a DC kid, so what What do you think? Me and you sitting down, we're going to make a movie. We're going to make a superhero movie. We got X-Men territory. We got Avengers, Marvel, oh, DC, oh, Icon okay. Comics, which was absorbed by DC, which is a African-American comic book that I used to collect. I'm So I'm not a comic book person, but I am a movie person. Right. So we can do anything that we want. I think I want to introduce the X Men to the MCU. Okay. Okay. I think that I think that's what I would want to do, for a couple reasons. One, I think that X Men, the first X Men film that came out in two thousand two thousand one ish, was so surprisingly and delightfully good and absolutely fun, and it kind of got. I, I think if that doesn't happen, I don't know if any of this other stuff happens. Yeah. And okay. I think we could have now. I don't know a lot of stories of the X Men, so in terms Fair of like their, you know, so um, I would either want to do that or Batman. Always Batman. Just Batman's my favorite. I, I think yeah. Batman's America's favorite. I I think doing Superman would be interesting. I think doing Superman would be. I would be willing to do that. But I think I would have. I think I would have the most. My heart would be with Batman. I'd have the most fun doing X-Men, and I think you could do interesting stuff with Superman. 
Like, what would you want to make? I'll tell you exactly what I want to do. One of my favorite comic books of all time that I collected was the almost at the very beginning. I had no idea what a trade paperback was. Do you know what that is? It's essentially uh, it's essentially where they take like a 20, whole bunch of them together yeah, and they mush day. them yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I got yeah. one of Robin, and he's the third Robin. So the first one becomes Nightwing. The second one, famously, they kill. Uh, the Joker beats him to death and then blows him up. Uh, and then the third one is just a badass Robin character. I loved his character so much. I used to draw him all, even though Superman was my favorite superhero, that book, that trade paperback that I had was so awesome. It takes, it's, it's set in when like Batman's back is broken, but he's still, so he starts doing detective work instead of Batman work, you know, and he's in a wheelchair. He's in Haiti. He's doing all this crazy stuff. So Robin is alone to defend Gotham. And it's awesome. I would love to tell the story of a legit Robin. Hmm. Like here's here's a teenage kid, maybe twenty something. The war to Batman. Batman's gone, and he doesn't know why. And he's alone against the night. Da, 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 da. That's the Avengers theme song. Shouldn't say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're gonna get sued. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I I think that would be interesting. I think especially right. if you did it as not as like a young adult movie. Those are those are terrible. Right. Um, right. But if you told the story through the eyes of like you know, I especially think like what does a Gen Z Robin look like? And I and I. Especially one who, and perhaps it's not the route you would you would want to go. But what does a Gen Z Robin look like who has been left alone because Batman's gone? Because Gen Z is so alone and isolated and online. Yeah. What does I? I think you could probably find some fun stuff to you know to explore with that. I I just imagine uh, periodically Alfred being like, uh, "Master Robin, are you taking pictures of your junk again? Stop that." <laughs> Stop that right now. Things don't go away, just so you know. It's it's all there still. You know what's funny? It's funny. Robin's character is really weird. Like, the moment you try to make Robin anything remotely normal in, like, a movie setting, you have to make him 25 years old. Or else it's like, oh, shoot, this is psychosis and child abuse. abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it's you know comic books are for 10 to 13-year-olds because, like, I could be Robin. To them, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Which is exactly what I thought. I remember in California, parents' marriage is shit. I'm miserable and alone. I'm at the peak of my, like, my brother not giving a crap about me. And I it's just me and my brother nine hours a day while my dad is fighting L.A. traffic to and from work. And I'm left in a world of comic books. And I was so, I was profoundly alone there's like things like i have blocked that from my memory and dealing with that for so long like i i really yeah. didn't process you never talked about it in i mean you would hint ever. at it yeah. in college but right like i would talk about like everything else but that <laughs> ad nauseum um but no the the reality okay so my, my my parents weren't divorced or anything my dad's job got transferred to la and my parents said well we don't want to move the family my brother was going through some dark stuff and so the idea was destabilizing him. Oh, it's going to be even worse in liberal California, it turns out. Probably wouldn't have. But uh, we – so I never – I would see my dad 
for a week or two weeks every two months. I would talk to him probably once a week on the phone. You know, it's one of those things where you, like, want to talk to your dad, but you don't have anything to say. As a young boy talking to your dad, like, your dad didn't know what to say. You don't know what to say. And so when I was actually out in California, we we would be gone, like, a week after school ended to a week before school began. Maybe a couple weeks before school began. So I lost my whole summer with my friends, you know. And Mm. I was in an apartment in Long Beach or in Ventura or uh, Santa Clarita. And I would just be there. And I had nothing. I had no one. I had no friends. When I say I never made friends, there were no young kids in the apartment complex Mm. um, either, in in either apartment complex that I stood at. So I had no – I was absolutely alone. So when we lived in Santa Clarita, which was the first two summers, I would walk a mile and a half to a comic book shop and just stare at them for hours. If my parents gave me money, I did not spend it on food. I didn't spend it on drinks. I didn't spend it on anything other than comic books. And that's when I started because it was my fifth grade year. It was the summer after fifth grade. I spent the night at my buddy Aaron Hayes' house, and he had a glass case where he had the Death of Superman comic books bagged and boarded, which is, you know, like perfectly preserved in these things. I said, Superman died? And he goes, yeah. It was incredible. I bought two copies of every issue so I could read because I love collecting comics. So then that summer when I left fifth grade, that's when I went to California, and that's when I started collecting comic books. And they were maybe like 30 issues, you know, half a year past the death of Superman or maybe a whole year. And I went back and collected every comic book all the way back, right? So I started at right where it was, didn't understand any of the storylines, and then went backwards and then caught up. And... I can remember being in my in my bedroom alone for six hours, just reading and reading and reading and listening to music. Where I was really big into gangster rap, so I had nine deuce point trade to beat in L.A. And I I was so alone, but that's what I had. My dad, I love my dad. It was when he came home. I was a happy little boy, like all that stuff. Me and Chris mm-hmm. got along when my dad was around. Me and Chris got along a lot, but it was it was literally watching TV and reading comic books and listening to music. And it was it was dark. And I didn't appreciate how dark it was. And then my mom would come out in July. So she would come out for the whole month of July and we would do stuff. Like when my mom comes, that's when we go to Six Flags, that's when we go to, you know, Coronado and San Diego and all that stuff. But it was bad. It was really bad. Do you like so like that was just kind of how you coped? Yeah, was was with the comic books. Is that because it's it's funny? I would never even associate you as a comic book guy. You just, right? I mean, you you talked about them here and there. Yeah, but you never like. Is it something that you because then you got into it like around a little bit after Iron Man came out? I remember yeah. getting real into it again. <laughs> was that? Do you think they like gave you? Did that like? Like, why? Like, why did you go back to comic books then? So, okay. So, uh, Santa Clarita, two summers, and then Long Beach, two summers. Um, and then my family moved to Houston. When my family moved to Houston, I didn't see any comic book shops. So, when we were in Long Beach, it was about a two-mile walk to the Strand, which is a kind of a famous area in Long Beach. It's where all the yachts are and stuff like that. And uh, there's all these shops and stuff, and there's a bookstore, and in half the bookstore, they sold the most recent comic books. So I would go and buy that stuff. Um, 
And I didn't realize I didn't realize what all the rainbow flags were in that bookstore. But it was totally like an erotica and gay LGBT <laughs> bookstore. On like mm-hmm. like like a third of it was that, a third of it was just like consumer books, and then a third of it was like comic books. Isn't that funny? That's weird. The nineties were a weird time. So did we decide on what movie we we would make? This stuff. So Matthew McConaughey was on Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan said Hey, like, so you're a religious man. He goes, yes, I am. Let's do it. He goes, I want to make a distinction. I'm a religious man. I am not a spiritual man. In the terms of weed, though. Yeah, in the terms of people who say I'm spiritual but not religious. He goes, religion comes from the Latin word meaning to bind together. And he said, and we are a fractured people. And he goes, and the thing that bothers me is Hollywood and all this stuff. They're so anti-religion. I don't think they even know how to they don't understand what it means. And so he's like, so I mean, you follow, I, I like, the Bible the and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I, I do. I think he's like, I think it's so important. He goes, now, I get when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that changes my life. And to hear someone say that for the first time, like, you got to realize, like, there's something more than just morality there. He says something like that. And he goes, but I don't know what to do with the burning bush. I don't know how to apply that to my daily life. Joe Rogan goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, like the burning bush and the magic of Jesus, you know, healing people and all this stuff. The magical stuff. I don't know what to do with that in my day. I don't know how to heal people in my daily life. But the teachings, the morals and stuff like that, you can apply. And the fact that Hollywood is like dead set against that really bothers me. And I thought it was super interesting because he's like coming at the anti-religion, like what you call the anti-theism. He's like trying to address it from the standpoint of like enlightenment morality. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but this is like, this is literally like not even one step removed. It's half a step removed from it. Yeah. And, it's but it is like fascinating. Deism. Yeah. It's, 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 it's Jefferson's theology, right? So Jefferson went to an Episcopal church almost every week, but he took an exacto knife to the Bible and cut out all the miraculous, right? So if you, if you think about what is Jesus, so I, I had that question that was in my head when I did the six part series for our high school students. Um, I have it on our parish Vimeo page if people care to watch them, but, um, I had to record these videos for our high school students cause we couldn't meet in person. And I saw that and I said, okay, so l- let me address this issue. What do you do with the burning bush and how does that affect your daily life? Matthew McConaughey says, I don't know how that makes sense. I said, let me tell you how this makes sense. It makes sense because God broke into our world at a real historical point. And it changed everything. He revealed his name. And that name would take an additional, you know, thousand years for the greatest of Greek philosophers, Aristotle, to realize the power of existence itself. I am who am. Aristotle realized God is pure existence. And the way that changes all of metaphysics is huge. And I said, but for Moses, he wasn't thinking according to Greek metaphysics, how it applies to politics and morality and stuff. He was thinking, this burning bush is telling me to walk into Egypt, the greatest world superpower, and demand, as one man without armies, to let a group of slaves go. And they did. I said, that's the thing that people lose sight of. The Bible might have fantastical elements that Matthew McConaughey incorrectly calls uh, magic. I said, but these are the historical happenings. This is Cardinal Ratzinger. It's history. The historical happenings of a real people's often bad, but real struggle with Yahweh intervening with them. I said, that's why this stuff is so important to preserve it. Hmm. 
Like, this is the deal. Like, there was a Bernie Bernie. And I said, and it's really funny because you'll listen to some people. And I and another Joe Rogan podcast. This guy's like, well, see, the problem with the Bernie Bush was in, in that part of, of Sinai in the desert, there's a lot of uh, fissures of natural gas. So a pocket could have ignited in front of the Bernie Bush and Moses thought, you know, and there could be hallucinogenic elements involved. And I was like, okay. Follow that to the end of the line. You believe in a bush that looked like it was on fire, at least to Moses. He was hallucinating a theophany. But then what did he do? He then went to Egypt and set his people free. Like, come on. Like, this is dramatic. This is the point. Like, why do you accept a burning bush, even though it was a mistake? The fire was in front of the tree. And you create hallucinogenics in order to explain the voice of God. But the voice of God said, get your staff, meet your elder brother, and then go to Pharaoh's house and set your people free. And it happened. Like, that's the part that was, I was like, this is the historical narrative. Israel looked to Exodus like we look to the cross. The Paschal Mystery was the central event of Exodus. Like, we look to the Last Supper and reenact it every day or every Sunday through the mass. And I was like, you can't do this, Matthew McConaughey. You can't say, I don't get the magic. So is the resurrection magic? So does death truly have the final word? Or is Jesus who he says he is? If he's who he says he is, then real lepers were really healed by encountering the real God-made flesh. And so that's, that's, where, that's where I kind of left that part. You're so tired. That's really interesting. That's fine. Uh, we did not talk about the about the McCarrick report at all. Well, I didn't read anything. I read one article on CNA, and then was I was like, I'm looking forward to him telling me. But <laughs> I, I read so much to prepare to talk tonight. So, Luke, what do you think about McCarrick? Oh, Lord of mercy, Christ of mercy, Lord of mercy. Uh, we should talk about it though at some point in time. The, the summer, summer of, of scandal. 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 